Welcome to the Belonging Project podcast. This is Fiorenza and I'm your host. The purpose of this podcast is to bring voices together to talk about belonging. Through inspiring real-life conversations, we explore how belonging can show up in so many different ways, what it feels like to belong, and the impact of truly belonging. Each episode will offer you inspiration and practical strategies to find your true voice in your life and as a leader. Let's dive in. Hi, Niti. I'm so excited to have you on the Belonging Project podcast today. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. It's really my pleasure. And I remember when uh, I actually discovered you and um, the amazing writing talent that you have. I will say it like that because the posts, there have been a few posts that you've written over on LinkedIn that really resonated with me. Um, It was all about motherhood and also about parenting and kind of having all that juggle with working right um mm. how, do you, how do you reconcile the 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 working person identity even maybe working mother identity with um the the, the mothering part of it right um and you have such a talent your posts are always so resonating um with me and I'm so glad I discovered you that way and that we we got to talk <laughs> oh thank you that's so sweet yeah it's a it's a topic I'm quite passionate about the whole you know juggling working with being a mother so yeah no thank you thank you and I know there are of course so many more um dimensions to your journey to your story and um what you want to put out there in the world and what about we start with maybe a little bit about about you your your story what you'd like to to share here yeah absolutely so look I um have grown up in Australia most of my life I spent the early years traveling around quite a bit, but settled here when I was eight. And I have um, Indian parents, so grew up with an Indian cultural backdrop uh, to my childhood. Uh, And then sort of, you know, I was a high achiever as a child, um, got good grades all the time, so kind of fell into perfectionism and, you know, fear of failure and all that wonderful stuff that comes along with being a high achiever. And went from school into a law degree and a commerce degree because I don't you don't do things by halves. <laughs> um, and uh, so <laughs> you know, and then I, I I was doing that and quickly realized I didn't enjoy commerce, went into law, and then was like, okay, well, what's next? Well, seems like most people go off into the corporate world, so we'll do that. So It was very unintentional, my whole sort of, you know, moving into uni, then moving into being a lawyer, became a lawyer, was in private practice for about a decade, probably about nine years longer than I thought I was going to be in private practice. But life happens, things happened. Um, You know, I was living in London during some of that time and the global financial crisis obviously changed things for me a little bit and I had to stay put for the time being. So I did. And then I decided to move back to Australia and I had gotten married in the meantime to my husband who's from England. 
And so he was like, you know, look, your firm has opened up an office in Sydney. Let's move to Sydney. And his reasoning really was that it was further away from my parents who were in Melbourne and so we wouldn't have to live one in the suburbs or two with my parents. And so I was like, okay, you know, I finally agreed to it, even though I was a little bit reluctant about going into private practice again and was there for a little bit and then quickly realized it wasn't for me and I wanted to move back home to Melbourne kind of felt like I was in no man's land. You know, I really wanted to settle down, start a family soon, but I was in this city I wasn't loving. I was in a job I wasn't loving. So I was like, I need to have some stability in my life and I need to move back home to Melbourne. So I got a job in-house, moved in-house and was there for nine and a half years until March. In March of this year, I decided to leave it all and to try my hand at being an entrepreneur, which still feels like a very strange word to me (laughs) to attach to my name. But yeah, so I'm going to start in a a week or two uh, with my new adventure, my new ventures, uh, which are going to be coaching. So I'm going to be hopefully working with women like me who have kids and who are in professional services environments and really helping them to, I guess, just rediscover who they are because I think it's one of the challenges of becoming a parent is you know we have work and then we have parenting and somewhere between those two things we lose our sense of self and I think sometimes when we lose that sense of self we're not able to easily identify what it is we really want out of life or what it is we really want out of our career and we kind Mm -hmm. of just try and do it all and that's when things start falling apart at the seams right so I'm going to be doing coaching. And again, because I don't do things by halves, I'm also going to be doing some freelance legal work. So I guess that's my career. Um, But as far as I'm concerned as a person, you know, with my whole journey on LinkedIn and everything over the last couple of years, and even through work over the last probably five years or so, I've sort of really lent into this idea that the titles that we hold don't define us, you know, we're Mm -hmm. humans first. And I think, you know, it's really important to be able to sit back from the things that you do and understand who you are. So that's become a real passion of mine is delving into the person behind the titles and really understanding what you value, what your purpose is, you know, what your life's meaning is really, Mm -hmm. and ensuring that you have fulfillment through that. Absolutely. And so much of what you said resonates with, with me and, and also what, what I do. So it may be that we have some further collaboration down, down the line yeah. after, after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm curious if you'd be willing to share a little bit around um, the, 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 the decision and how it felt for you to maybe let, let go of that corporate identity that you, mm. you had for, for quite a few years. And yeah, I just decided to embark in this um, entrepreneurial journey. It was really scary, to be honest. And it, it was something I first started thinking about in 2020, actually. Like I was, I had this inkling that I was through writing, tapping into something that was giving me joy and fulfillment that I've not had in my career. And so I started at that point really thinking about, well, could I turn this into something? Could this be something else, right? But it was kind of a thought in my head that wasn't really going anywhere very fast at that point in time. And then last year, I was 
leaning into it even more because I was like, you know, I'm getting so much energy from this and I'm now starting to get all these opportunities from it, like podcasting and articles that I'm writing for different organizations and things are starting to happen and things are Mm -hmm. starting to evolve. So maybe there is something here and coaching was something I'd started to think about as a thought bubble at that point in time. But, you know, I was like, well, how can I be a coach, you know, because I'd be going into something new. It's completely, it felt completely foreign. You know, it's not foreign Mm -hmm. because I I was coaching as part of my role as a manager and leader in the organizations I was working at. But you do, you get into your, you get in your head and you're like, well, how can I leave the comfort and security of the corporate world behind and start this new thing? And maybe I need to have some qualifications. Maybe I need to do some courses and some further study, or maybe I need a bigger network or, you know, so there are all these excuses that I started creating in my head for why it wasn't something I was going to do straight away. And so I'd said to myself, oh, you know, maybe in two to three years. Mm -hmm. And I think until probably three quarters of the way through last year, I was still thinking that. And then slowly, 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 I was like, do you know what? I don't need to be ready. You know, this idea of being ready for something is such a, it's such a falsehood. Like there's no such thing as being ready. You make yourself ready. You're never just ready. Right. Mm. So I was like, well, there's no better time than now. If I'm going to do something, let's do it. And so this year I decided that's it, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to jump in and see where it goes. And it's, been an adventure. It's been a roller coaster since then. You know, been I was I've been over the moon in terms of my energy and just really excited and energized again in a way I haven't been for a while because I think you have that sort of beginner's mindset towards things and you're like, okay, I need to create a logo. How do I do that? I need to create a website. Where do I start? You know, how do I start with my accounting? What does that look like? You know, (laughs) it's all all these things, you know, you never have to think about when you're in the corporate world. And they're Mm -hmm. each individually perhaps small things, but each one of them is tapping into a different side of me as well. And to an extent, I feel like, you know, I'm also having more space to be creative again, which is not something... I've done a lot of, yeah, obviously you do it to a certain extent in your job, but it's very different, right? So it's been challenging, but it is so exciting. And the thing I keep coming back to is why am I doing this? And, you know, there's greater purpose to this, which I've discovered through what I've done over the last couple of years and the journey I've been on. And so it's like, well, that is why I'm doing it. So that gives me the courage and the confidence to keep going and keep moving ahead. Ah, oh, thank you for sharing. Um, you know this 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 journey with us. It's it's such a, pre- a precious moment um, to be in. As you know, I've been in the same in the same um, spot a uh, couple of years ago, and yeah, it is it is quite a scary moment when you realize that you know, it's happening. You're saying goodbye to the, the familiar, the, uh, you know, the, the comfort zone, this, this, this corporate world that for so many reasons maybe didn't resonate with you, but mm. actually it, it was also a home somehow. And then you are jumping into the unknown one way or the other. And you realize that there is this purposeful mission that you, you, you want to do. There's so much energy. And then there's also all the little add-ons, right? That kind of 
just dead in. Right. And I'm, I'm curious as well. And I guess um, linking back our conversation with the, the topic of the podcast, belonging. Now that you're in this transitioning phase, what did you notice? What impact did you notice it having on, on your own sense of belonging? That's a really good question. I think to me, look, if I think about belonging and what it means to me, to me, belonging has always meant a sense of being able to be your full authentic self in an environment with safety and comfort, right? To me, that's belonging. Like it's when you feel you can be yourself. And stepping into this area now, which I'm stepping into, I feel like I'm fully empowered to do that. And so, you know, it, it, I think with entrepreneurship, look, it can obviously, as I imagine it, because I've not been in it yet, but it can obviously be a lonely place because you're operating by yourself, especially if you're, you're a solopreneur, right? Um, which I will be, but it, is a place where I am connecting with some amazing people and people with whom I really feel a strong sense of connection in things like ideology, in the way we want to shift things, you know, when it comes to um, issues like gender equity and racial equity and things like that. So for me, it's actually been incredible because from a belonging perspective, I feel like I'm finding my happy place. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally share um, the same the same idea, the same uh, vision of belonging, right? Having a sense of we can just show up and be ourselves, um, not having to 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 hide or compromise mm. um, any any piece of ourselves of who we are. Maybe even the ideas that we stand for. So we, we also have something else in common. Um, we both have an heritage. Uh, so you have um, an Indian heritage you've mentioned. Um, I have an Italian and Turkish heritage. I've, I grew up in France. You grew up in Australia. And I'm curious to, to know how that also impacted maybe your sense of belonging. Yeah, massively. I think um, so I being the child of first-generation immigrants, really felt a massive clash between myself and my parents and my parents' friends and community when I was growing up as a child in Australia because, you know, I think with first-generation immigrants often, from whatever background they're from, I think there's a real desire to hold on to the culture as they knew it mm. in the place from which they've migrated and so I think what sometimes happens with that is that the culture becomes almost frozen in time for them and they hold on to these ideals of what they thought, you know, or what things were like at the time that they left. And so for me, it was something I really struggled with as a child and because I was like, you know, I'm growing up in Australia. I am the only person of colour in my school, um, let alone class, you know, and it's difficult to not want to fit in in that environment and be like everyone else. And being like everyone else means in some way, some cases adopting the behaviours, attitudes, et cetera, of the people that you're at school with and, you know, similarly at university with later in life. And so for me there was this real sense of, well, what is my identity? Because you want me to behave and be a certain way but I'm growing up here and I want to behave and be a certain other way. And these two things don't necessarily meet in the middle comfortably. 
right? And so, you know, I remember very clearly there were points at which in my head, and I never actually, I don't think, ever said this to my parents, although they probably heard me now speak about this so many times, they've probably now heard it. Um, but, you know, I, I, I remember thinking, why did you move from India if you didn't want me to grow up with these values and these attitudes and beliefs, right? And so, yeah, so I really struggled with that. And I think also the other thing I really struggled with was I didn't find my place within the South Asian community that my parents belonged to in Australia either. Um, I was sort of somewhere between the ages of the girls in the group and the boys in the group. And so I didn't neatly fall into either group. And I also just didn't feel like I found people that were, I don't know, my people at the time. And I was shy as well as a child. It was quite reserved. So none of that helped being an introvert as well in that environment. And so I kind of felt quite lonely in many of these social gatherings that I was in. And even at school, I think, you know, it was more friendships from a convenience standpoint mm -hmm. to some extent than really true, deep friendships that I would have formed otherwise. And so for me, it wasn't until I went to university and was surrounded by a wider diversity of people that I found my people, right? I found people that I could go, okay, I can be myself with you. And I don't need to put up some sort of pretense or I don't need to feel uncomfortable because I can't put up a pretense, which was in my case, part of the problem. Like I didn't, I couldn't pretend. Like it just wasn't my nature to pretend. And so I found myself at odds with this needing to pretend and not being able to pretend in these environments. So yeah, it definitely, it definitely impacted me a lot growing up. And how how did this morph into maybe a, um, a different sense of belonging or maybe not when you started working? Yeah, so work, again, it's interesting, right, because I went into private practice, which is very traditional and very male and very white. Mm -hmm. And so, again, I was one of few. Um, there were women in the junior levels of the organizations that I went to, but you know, more senior, the more senior you got, the less women there were, definitely the less people of color there were in these organizations. So again, look, I think, you know, yes, there was some sense of belonging, but also again, there was a little bit of a pretense in some of these environments. And so I don't think I could fully be myself in those environments either. And I think it took until I moved in-house and into an environment that was a lot more laid back and a lot more diverse to be able to find a self of, you know, myself within that place again. So, yeah, so I think it, it was a bit of a struggle, I think, in private practice at least. And do you do you remember of a time when maybe you were working in, in, in private practice and not finding that deep sense of belonging um, maybe created this, this idea or it, it, it just... Um, open space um, for that reflection and thinking about what could be a more fulfilling career that would also bring that sense of belonging. Yeah, look, I think there were numerous times I felt that way. I think, you know, all along for me in private practice, one of the things I was always concerned about was having a family and how that would marry with being in private practice because of the working culture and the lifestyle and this 
you know, culture of inefficiency and all the rest of it. And so I think there were definitely moments along the journey where I looked at that and just thought, "Mm, I'm not sure about this, you know, this doesn't feel like it's very aligned to me. Uh, But I think one of the biggest moments for me was when I moved to Sydney and I was in a new city and at a new place of work and I found the people around me, particularly my sort of age people, to be quite cliquey Mm -hmm. and it felt a little bit like high school all over again and I remember thinking in those moments, I was like, I'm too old to do this now. You know, I don't have the patience for this anymore. I don't care enough to want to try and break into these cliques and try and, you know, force myself onto groups within this organization anymore. So for me, that was a bit of an eye-opening moment of going, yeah, this is not really the environment for me at all. I need to move on. Um and this resonates as well. Um, I, I, I remember very, very clearly um, the, the, the effort that it would take me to, I guess, just kind of be with, with, with groups of people that, you know, I liked when I was working in investment banking, just how the sometimes the after work drinks would require some, some efforts. I was probably trying to fit, to fit in or, to persuade myself that you know I could fit in I think and the 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 contrast was so clear when I decided to retrain as um as a coach and I remember being in in a training course one day and just by I guess the introduction by the time that we were introducing each other and I didn't know the other people in the room how the connection was instant and how I felt Mm. like oh my God, I don't know those people, but I felt, I, I feel that they could be my people. I feel, I, I actually, I felt that they were my people. And I guess there is what I'm trying to say that there, there, there could be so much strength and also empowerment to be found in meeting like-minded people and um, mm. people that would share some of your values, maybe some of your experiences as well in fostering that sense of belonging and being able to be yourself right bring all 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 of you a hundred percent and I think for me that's why the journey over the last two years has been so magical um you know having found some amazing people through social media of all things which I never ever thought would be (laughs) for me you know I mean it's just it feels weird even now sometimes to talk about it but it you know, through COVID and being at home and being isolated from people, it was kind of my connection to the world and connection to people I knew as well, initially at least. And through that, I found this community of people that are like-minded, that have, you know, amazing purpose driving them in their lives. And it's just opened my world up to a whole different set of people and you know I think for the first time like I really feel a really true sense of belonging and even when I think back on you know not fitting in in the South Asian community here when I was growing up I've now met some amazing South Asian women who you know have migrated later in life so their story is different to mine but I feel instant connection with these women because we're operating from the same heart space and from the same purpose-driven sort of mentality. And Mm -hmm. that has been just magical. And, you know, I I say quite often, 
I found connection in a period of such disconnection, right, through COVID because of this journey that I had through social media and the social media aspect of it is less relevant than the community and the people that I met through it. And that continues now, like now that we're offline as well as online because lockdowns are over and all the rest of it, I'm finally meeting some of these people, at least in Australia, face-to-face. And, you know, it's incredible. It's so lovely to be able to take these relationships that I built over the last two years and to then turn them into, you know, physical relationships as well. It's brilliant. Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. And social media can be a lot of things. And I think there's also a lot of great things that that can happen thanks to it. I I, I really like what the the term you you used, operating um, from the same heart space. I just love mm. this term. I may, I may reuse it if that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> um, so what elements would you say need to be present for you to feel that you belong? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is how do you create psychological safety for people, right? You know, you need psychological safety in order to feel that you can be authentic in an environment whatever that environment is. And psychological safety comes from a few different things. It comes from a place of vulnerability, right? So the people that are creating that environment, how vulnerable are they being? It comes from a place of listening, right? Mm -hmm. Deep listening where you really, you know, lean into other people and to what their needs are and, you know, what, what they truly need to have in that space in order to be themselves. So if I reflect back on, you know, my early years, I really needed someone to say, okay, we, you know, we understand that, you know, you're quieter, you're more introverted. So what do you need out of these spaces that we're in, in order to allow you to have a voice? And for me, that probably would have been smaller gatherings rather than these gigantic social behemoths that were, you know, Indian social gatherings at the time. And because they were overwhelming to me, like they just, you know, they were an assault on my senses and I found myself withdrawing into a shell as a result. And so I needed environments that were a little bit less chaotic, less noisy in order as a child to be able to have a voice and to let myself out of that shell, right? So you need to lean into other people, exercise curiosity, meet them where they are at. You need compassion and empathy. They're critical to this piece. So I think I think for me, th- those are the things you really need to facilitate in an environment in order to allow people to be themselves and to feel that they belong. And curiosity is an interesting one. Mm. How do you differentiate curiosity that is, I guess, fostering psychological safety versus you know the curiosity maybe a little bit more stereotypical where people are like oh where are you from uh where's your accent Mm. from or you know that sort of questions for me I think the thing is curiosity itself can be inclusive right and I think that there's a difference there you know so the, the where are you from questions are intrusive right they're not inclusive so how how can you ask the same, get the same information from someone without necessarily intruding mm-hmm. on them, right? And mm-hmm. I think to do that, you have to ask more open questions. You need to come from a place of tell me your story, you know, 
I'd love to know a little bit about you. You know, open questions. Let the person share what it is they wish to share and not jump ahead to responding to them either. It's kind of, you know, really listening to what they're saying and in that moment just being with them and then, okay, once they finish saying what they're saying, then you respond. It's not as if you go off in your head starting to think about what how you're going to respond or I've got a story that's like that so let me tell you my story you know, it's, it's really being curious, but from a place of tell me what you wish to tell me, you know, I'm not going to prejudge what you might tell me. Just tell me what you wish to tell me. And I think that's the difference for me. I love it. I love it. 100%. All right. Thank you, Nitty. And we, we are getting to the end um, of the episode. And I have a couple of questions that I, I, I like to ask my guests. The first one is, in a few words on me, what would be the best advice that you've received and like, and that you'd like to share with others? Yeah, I think the best advice that I've received is to let things be a little bit and not try and force them into places that they're not meant to be. And so I think, you know, two years ago, I had started thinking a lot about, you know, where was I going with this whole LinkedIn thing? And maybe there was something else I could do with it. And I started trying to force it into something else. And someone very wise said to me, just stop overthinking things and just relax into what you're doing and let things be for a bit and let things flow. And I think actually that has now become my mantra a little bit. And, you know, even with entering into this journey that I'm about to enter into, my mindset is very much of the, you know, let's just see what happens. This is where I'm starting. Maybe in a year's time, in two years' time, I might be doing something different. Who knows? But, you know, and that's that's okay because I need to let life be and let life flow a little bit. Mm. Love it. Love it. Mm. And here's the second question. The world would be a better place if? If we were all kinder to each other and to ourselves. I like especially the second piece of what you said, being kinder to ourselves. Often we, <laughs> we, we just kind of see ourselves as second on, yeah. on, on the list, right? Mm. And probably it's as equally important. Yeah. 100%. Self-compassion is so important and we forget it all too often. Thank you so much, Niti, for being with me today and sharing your story and all the best for you know this new chapter that is about to to start i can't wait to see how it goes and hear your voice more more of your voice in the world i'd love that thank you <laughs> thank you so much thank you so much for having me it's been lovely you can follow the podcast on linkedin at the belonging project podcast you can also hit subscribe and stay up to date with our episodes and do feel free to get in touch with me on coaching at fiorenzalucini.com. Thank you again and see you next time.